Welcome to My Time, My Life with Trinette Faint. On this season of my podcast, I'll be talking to a variety of people, from creative entrepreneurs to business owners to writers to entertainers and others, about being bold and courageous, overcoming obstacles, and taking risks, all in the name of chasing dreams and building a career. I hope their stories will inspire you on your own journey. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Natalie Van Doren, a writer, director, and assistant director in film and television in Los Angeles. Natalie has directed multiple network episodes of the Nickelodeon show Side Hustle and That Girl Lele for Nickelodeon and Netflix with fame producer Will Packer. After graduating from Colorado State University, Natalie moved to LA and began her career in the entertainment business as an assistant at ICM Talent Agency. While there, she worked with Francis Ford Coppola, Baz Luhrmann, Luc Besson, and others. Soon after, she was accepted into the prestigious Directors Guild of America training program. While in the program, Natalie produced and directed her first short film, The Shark Tank Redemption, a parody of The Shawshank Redemption, which was purchased by HBO and aired on HBO and Cinemax for six years. Natalie has since gone on to direct the second unit of CSI Miami, and she was a DGA trainee, Director's Guild of America trainee, on Ocean's Eleven. And she was also the assistant director on CSI, The West Wing, ER, and many more productions. She recently finished a graphic novel called Infinite, which she wrote with her brother, writer Doug Van Doren. Hey, Natalie. How are you today? I'm doing great, Trinette. Thank you. How are you? Oh, hanging in, hanging in, hanging in. Thanks so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to join my podcast. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So let's just start from the beginning here. Had you always wanted to direct uh, when you were growing up in Colorado? And who were some of your favorite directors at that time? Um, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an architect. And then in eighth grade, I was like 13 or something like that. I had written a mystery story for mm-hmm. my English class and, uh, my English teacher really loved it. And she, um, encouraged me to make it into a film. So she had the whole class, um, just be my performers. And we went to a like a mansion there in Colorado where I'm from and they let us have the location for free. And we just filmed like Mm -hmm. a goofy little mystery, but I fell in love with being a director then. And I sort of changed my mind. And so that's kind of where it started. And so I wanted to go to film school and move to Mm -hmm. LA. And so, yeah, that's how it began. It's kind of when I was a teenager. Oh, wow. That is awesome. Um, did you have any connections when you moved to LA from Colorado? Um, um, and if you go on, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go on. Um, I, I, my biggest connection was my brother who is three years older than me and was living in LA and working at ICM. Okay. Um, so I knew him, but my first job b- before ICM, I actually had an internship Um, where I worked for a big producer, John Davis, who produced movies like Grumpy Old Men and Predator Mm, and Waterworld. And I had applied for that internship just sort of on my own. 
And so Mm -hmm. I came out for a summer in college and I worked, um, that doing that. And so, um, I kind of found that on my own, but my brother was like the one person I knew before I moved out. So that was kind of nice to have one person, you know? Yeah. I mean, LA can be so disorienting and jarring, uh, if you don't know anybody. So it's really great. You had some support out there to help you get going. Yeah, I'm very grateful for that and very close with my brother. So it's it's good yeah. to have um it's good to have somebody to like be like a, a rock for you when you live in a city this big. Yeah. Um yeah. I guess it's safe to assume that because your brother was there, he helped you build your confidence to jump in a business that is quite often unkind to, to newcomers. Yes. I think, I I don't know if I would have felt comfortable moving here if he hadn't been here. It was nice to have somebody and then he already had friendships. So it was kind of easy to make friends like, Mm -hmm. um, because he he knew a lot of people and then he was actually working at ICM. So it helped me kind of get my foot in the door there. Um, it wasn't a job that I necessarily loved, but I learned a whole lot and I'm glad I did it. Um, and I made friendships. I still have to this day that, you know, uh, it, it's just good in the film business to kind of know how to do everything that you can. So that, that yeah. was kind of a good starting point for me. Yeah. Um, I know like working in a talent agency can be uh, a pretty good route to starting in the entertainment business out there. Um, how was your experience working there? Um, you know, I know it could be terrifying be fabulous like (laughs) Um, all the rest I would say that I was fairly lucky because I had two really um amazing bosses like Mm -hmm. my first boss uh, her name was Trisha Davies she ran the book department so what um I was an assistant and I didn't have to go through the mailroom I just was at a desk but we would get in novels from really big authors, you know, like Toni Morrison and Tobias Wolf, mm. like really huge authors before they were ever published, like to the public. And we were trying to sell them to become movies. And so I was wow. reading the best books and my boss was like the nicest woman. And so I, for, for like a first year of working there, I, I really loved it. And um, it was great. And then I, transferred to um another agent his name's robert newman and he's a very big agent he's now at william morris but he repped only directors and really big big directors and Mm -hmm. he's sort of well known for making um kind of small directors into huge directors um Mm -hmm. and so like he repped um like Wes Craven. I mean, Wes Craven was already big, but he repped like um, Greg Berlanti, who is, you know, a showrunner and does huge shows now, but really he like was just starting when I met him and Robert Rodriguez. And, um, and then he repped huge people like uh, Francis Ford Coppola and Luc Besson and Baz Luhrmann. So I, I got to like meet a lot of great directors and my boss mm-hmm. was a really nice guy. And I mean, Agents are a different kind of breed. They're not, I'm not an agent um, and I didn't want to be one, but I learned a lot. And I thought like uh, ICM was probably a very difficult place to work, especially at the time I was going through a lot of shifts and yeah, um, right, right around the time I was there, it split like half, 
half of ICM left and went to William Morris. So there was a lot of like turmoil happening, but I feel like right. I was pretty lucky overall yeah. to have the experiences I had and to learn from the bosses that I had. So that was really great. Um, Cause I have friends I mean, who are working for people who are a lot more difficult. Uh, so. That seems pretty emblematic of the entertainment business as a whole. You know, you could get super lucky and work for someone great, but the environment itself could be so chaotic, but you're, yeah. you know, basically in a good spot and other people around you could be working for people not so great. So it's really great that you had a very positive experience out of that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it had its days. It was very hard work and long hours, but um, yeah, I also think that business has changed even since then, like the kind of things that people went through in the nineties, like you can't get away mm -hmm. with those things now. Um, like bosses have to be nicer. And so, I mean, like I said, my bosses were lovely, so it's very lucky. Um, but you know, it, it was a very good, um, paying my dues sort of yeah. three years of my life. Yeah. 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 Um, what were some of the challenges you faced early on in your career? I guess like after you left ICM, um, I left ICM, didn't have a job. So, um, and I left because I was really burned out and, um, I happened to get into the director's guild training program. So I was pretty lucky because it's kind of hard to get into. Um, but the, and during that time I was making films like with my brother, he was writing and I was directing, um, cause we really like to work together. But I think the biggest challenge I was facing at the time was that, um, I was really gung-ho and excited and like very confident in my ability to be a director, even though looking back, like, I'm like, wow, there's a lot I didn't know, but mm -hmm. you know, you learn as you go. But I think the biggest thing I ran up against at the time was, um, it just, there weren't opportunities for women and especially yeah. not for young women. Like there just weren't any jobs. no, they would, people would almost laugh at you when you would say you wanted to be a female director, like, because it just mm -hmm. wasn't really a thing unless you were Penny Marshall, you know, um, mm -hmm. it, it, people, you had to kind of have like an in. So I found that a little bit, uh, you know, disheartening. Um, and it, yeah. it took a while for that to change like a very long while. So that was kind of, I think my biggest obstacle, mm -hmm. um, for starting out. Oh, boy, that is just the story of every major industry where women are trying to, to climb a ladder. Just misogyny, just left and right. Yeah, I think Hollywood's, um, I think it's still incredibly behind. Like, you you know, the balance of power has shifted finally, but, and it's starting to change, but it, it's like we were really behind. Like, um, I only really started working with, female directors in, in like 2019 was when I started. I mean, I, over the course of my almost 28 years of doing stuff on sets, working on sets, mm -hmm. I, I'd worked with three female directors, like mm, out of hundreds, out of wow. hundreds of directors, like three. So, and, and one of one or two of them were showrunners. So it was their show. So that's how they were able to do it. So it yeah. was, there just weren't opportunities. It's changed a lot just in the last five years. So it's, wow. 
I'm really grateful you for that. Have the courage to stick in there and keep going, uh, you know, facing it's like a combination of courage and maybe just stupidity. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, it's like a not quit gene that I have. But sometimes yeah. that like sometimes it's I think that's like bad to be that tenacious, but I, I mean, I'm really am passionate about making films and stories and I do mm -hmm. really love being on set and I love working with crew and actors. And, um, so I, I think, it, you know, I just, I carved out like a niche of working with really, I, I went through kind of working with not great people and then got to a point where I was working with great people. And then I realized like, you know, I, I really do love it. Like, as hard as filmmaking is and nobody thinks it's hard until you actually do it. And then you right. realize it's actually really, really hard work. Um, but I, I love it. I love the storytelling element of it. I'm a very creative person. Mm -hmm. um, it was really hard. And I, you know, I through through the years, I think the hardest part was, you know, I never felt like I was as far as I wanted to be. Um, right. And especially like I, had a child and then became a single mother. And so advancing my career became very difficult because I just had to focus on survival for a point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, fighting the whole, you're just a woman. I can't hire you sort of thing got tiring. So I just, you know, you kind of just dig in and do what you can. But um, like I said, things have changed. My daughter's older um, opportunities are available. And also I just, you know, it's easier to just say, Hey, I, I want to do this project. Like I want to direct your project and people don't, you know, now people are looking for women, which is like yeah. beautiful and they yeah. want diversity, which is beautiful. And so like now there's a whole new round of voices, um, in the industry. Yeah. And I, I think it's great and exciting and I can't wait to see how that changes storytelling for the better. Cause I think yeah. it's time. I mean, just imagine all the, the projects that would have been made five years in the future from where we are now, if it's changed so much in the last five, 10 years, it can only be exponentially better and way more inclusive than, than where we are. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. I mean, I, when I was in college, my senior thesis was on African-American filmmakers and there were only at the time really like who were actively working um, it was like Spike Lee, John um, Singleton and the Hughes mm -hmm. brothers had like just made a movie. And I mean, like, you know, Mario Van Peebles had done some things, but it's like literally of the working. It was so tiny. The pool was just itty bitty. And yeah. so I did my thesis on that. And like, you know, now there's so many amazing African-American uh, filmmakers and women. Um, yeah. Which yeah. they weren't even, they, that wasn't even a thing back then in the 90s. Yeah. Like it just wasn't even, like an African-American woman could never dream of being a film director and succeed at it in the 90s. But like it changed. And now we have all these amazingly talented women and men. And it's beautiful. And I love it. And it's, you know, now you see stories, it's, stories about things we haven't heard and that's what we need to hear. So mm -hmm. I, the opportunities are opening and it's really exciting time. Thank God for that. Yeah. Um, so how did you actually get your, um, 
directing break on Nickelodeon and for Netflix. How does that, how did that come about? So I had some, I had done some directing and I had, um, you know, I had directed my short and then I did some second unit, which isn't really like directing a full episode. It's just kind of like doing like little bits of, to film mm-hmm. the show. So I, I really went to my showrunners. Um, this was during the pandemic mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm so, I was really beyond ready to be directing and I had asked on other shows, but it was just not, it was like the slates were always full and it was always full of the same people. And this time mm-hmm. I just, I had, I was working with really good showrunners. I really felt passionate about the show. And, um, I went to my showrunners and I just asked, you know, like I just said, I really want to direct. Don't ask, don't get. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you have to ask if you want something. So I did. And, um, I could see like they were on my team, you know, like they, that they were glad I asked and they said, we're really glad you asked. Um, and then of course it has to go through like a chain of approvals. Cause like, you know, the network has to like, they can't just let anybody, you know, there's a lot of money writing in television and film. So you can't just like let anybody just do whatever <laughs> they ask for. So right. I did have some experience. So that helped. And, and also, you know, I've been a first CD for 20 years. So I've been running sets forever and done big shows and, um, and, you know, it's a different kind of show. It's a multi-camera sitcom. So it's a little different than what I like started doing, which mm-hmm. is like movies and, and like single camera dramas and, and things like that. But this is like a comedy with like four cameras. And, you know, usually we had a live audience, but because of the pandemic, we didn't. But it's a different kind of directing. So I had never done it before, but I felt mm-hmm. good about it. And so they came back to me and they were like, the network approved you. And I was so excited and I had the best crew and the cast was so awesome Mm. and lovely. And I got a fun, fun and really challenging script. And I just, I had a blast. Like I put my heart and soul into it. I really had fun. The whole crew, you know, always steps up because it's such a team effort. It's not like a one person thing, but I'm really proud of how it turned out and I had fun. And then after that, like, um, the network was great and they, and the showrunners were great and gave me more episodes. Um, so that was really wonderful. That's amazing, Natalie. Um, so in terms of like multi-camera and single camera, so it's literally just like, like you said, like one show has, or your show has multiple cameras. So you're basically running all the shots that are being shot through each camera versus just one camera. And I assume multi-camera shoots faster because you have more cameras. Is that? Yes. It shoots a lot faster. In fact, I think it's almost harder to direct because you shoot so much in a day. Like you're shooting like single camera. You usually have two cameras, but you, um, like you have a four walled set and you, you know, you shoot a scene and you have two cameras, maybe looking one direction. And then, you know, you relight everything and then you move the camera and you reshoot. So you have time. Mm-hmm. with a multi-camera and, and with single camera, you're shooting all week, right? Like you're just shooting, shooting, shooting. You like rehearse yeah. the scene and then you shoot it with multi-camera. It's a, a week long process to shoot a show, but you do three days of like a table read and rehearsals for three mm-hmm. days. And then, um, mm-hmm. 
And then you do what are called run throughs, which is like a live performance, almost like a play. And so the writers can rewrite. And then you have Thursday and Friday to shoot it. So you shoot an entire episode of TV in two days. And if you're doing a live audience, it's really like a very limited time, like usually like three to five hours, right, of shooting. So you're shooting like huge amounts of scripts in a short amount of time. So you have to go really fast. Um, Yeah. And you have to look at a monitor with all the cameras. So I, on that show, we had five cameras. So I had five cameras and you're constantly just making sure you get everything and you don't, you can't do a lot of takes. Um, And it's more like a dance. Like it's just the cameras are always moving and, you know, there's a lot, um, there's a lot of things you have to think about. So it's definitely a completely different kind of experience, but the energy of it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. um, yeah, So would that be... I guess uh, comparable to like working on a feature film versus a multicam show, like um, feature films, are, are those just mostly one camera shows or one camera Yeah, so productions? a feature is definitely like a single camera, like always going to be a single camera. So and when you say single camera, but you, I mean, you can still have like 15 cameras shooting one shot, but it would still be considered single camera um, because of the style of shooting is like you shoot a shot and then you move on to a different mm. setup and shoot another shot. Whereas like, multi-camera is more um, designed to be like a, like a big bang theory or um, like two and a half men where you're in front of an audience and you perform a scene and you can shoot the whole scene. Like you could do like three takes and like the whole scene's done. Right. And you've shot everything you need to shoot. Um, A lot less of that hurry up and wait. Yeah, you don't. There's no like. You're not waiting to light for like half an hour. Like everything's lit. It's like that. It's like a play, but with TV cameras, basically. So it's definitely a different vibe. And I do love both. Like by the way, they're both fun, but they're just different. Just different. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And what does directing second unit mean for those who don't know? Um, I mean, on that, on that show, I did everything from like little tiny inserts of like, you know, CSI was very science-based. So it was like, um, look at this bullet fragment. And then you would like zoom in and see bullets and you would have to see, Uh, um, you know, like certain bits of evidence. So you've got like maybe a really special tight lens on. So like the regular shooting crew doesn't have time to do all that. Because yeah, it's yeah. time intensive and, and tight lenses can require some difficult things. Also, there were like a lot of visual effects, um, mm-hmm. you know, that that show was kind of be very successful in making it cool, right? Like you would do a shot where you would go inside somebody's body. So like we worked with the visual effects team to kind of like do those neat shots that um, made that show very um, well known and popular. Um, but mm-hmm. then there would be things like the showrunner would watch the show and felt like pieces were missing or wanted to recast somebody or wanted to add a story beat or the episode wasn't long enough. So you'd have to add something in. So mm-hmm. there would be like fill in scenes. So like sometimes I, I would get to shoot, you know, you shoot like I got to do some fun, like good dream sequences with like one of the uh, lead actresses where she's kind of having a nightmare or um, like a stunt shoot where somebody's getting shot on a boat or Mm -hmm. a girl's getting like, um, 
rocks thrown at her. Like, so th- things like that, people getting in car accidents, some stunts, um, I see. some of the stunt I see. stuff is really fun. So it's, it's sort of like filling in the pieces. So you're not directing okay. the whole episode, but your footage fits in with the director's um, and you want it to be as seamless as possible. So it looks like it was all done, you know, at the same time. Um, so it, it was challenging and fun and I, you know, had a really nice crew. So it was, it was good. I just, you know, I did murder television for like 14 years. So it gets a little tiring. Dark. Uh, yeah. So I was ready to go to comedy, like good time. I just wanted to laugh like all the did time. You have, did you have nightmares based on things you were seeing on set? <laughs> My office is like right next to the editor's room. So you would hear people getting like murdered, like over and over and over and over again. And after a while you're like, I can't, like, I don't think I want to hear this anymore. Like, it's a lot. I mean, it was a, a really great show and I really love the people. Um, super, super lucky that I got on a show that ran so long, but um, mm. yeah, it was good to move to comedy. I'm yeah. really happy. It sounded. So, yeah. Uh, so you've been in this Hollywood game for what, 20 years now? 30. <laughs> no. Yeah. Wow. I, moved to, uh, I did my first internship in 95. So 29 years. Yeah. 29 years. Damn. It's pretty nuts. I'll have you back on your 30th anniversary. (laughs) I know. It's coming soon. So what drives you to, uh, to, to keep at it? Is it, uh, you know, your, your love of storytelling, I guess, you know, the opportunities that are opening up more, because it's a a long time to, to be in this business and to be in LA and to to still be like (laughs) such a nice person, you know, not jaded and want to carry out a CSI <laughs> type plot on someone. <laughs> right. Um, I still have those moments of jaded, but um, no, I think it is the love of storytelling and also the camaraderie with the cast and crew. Um, I think, you know, I worked in an office for three years, like in a cubicle. And then I was in an office office and the phone ringing all the time. And like, I just couldn't do it. Like it hurt my soul. And yeah, yeah. Um, if you're a creative person, like it's, there's something really beautiful about being able to like go and work on a set every day where it's different every day. I mean, sometimes it's the same, right. You know, but it's different. You're moving around. It's a little bit of a traveling circus. Like you're, mm-hmm. uh, and when you finish a show, like you're, you're never going to see those same exact people again. Like usually, you know, you, I mean, CSI was like with the same crew for many years, but like, usually you go from show to show and it's like, it's a different mix of people. And so you meet new folks and Keeps new, it very interesting. And, yeah. So it's always, um, I don't know. There's something in it that is just like the friendships you develop are beautiful. And then at the same time, like to be able to like creative problem solve, like how to shoot things. Cause it can be challenging, you know, and mm-hmm. to really figure out how to bring the writer's words to the screen and to also, you know, write my own things and bring them to life. So I, I don't know. I just really yeah. love it. I've always loved that. And all I try to not let all the other negative things about the business, like, way too heavy. I mean, I've had hard years. I think we all have, there's been a strike here. It's been really hard for a lot of people, but, um, 
I mean, ultimately all of us want to get back together and work and, and, you know, you sometimes get to work on projects that you're like insanely proud of. Um, and I've been lucky. I've had a lot of those, um, some like that were just so good, you know, that you're like, I can't believe I'm this lucky. So, you know, I think, um, for me, it's that. Yeah. It's that. And I don't know what the heck else I'm going to go do. Like, what's what skills my skills like I have a lot of skills but I don't know who's gonna like it's like we're we're members of a traveling circus like almost it's well you, you can know. start a new circus there you go yeah start a new circus <laughs> uh what's something about being a director that people don't know that you wish they did it's really a lot harder than you think it is um I think I guess the perception is people think that you're just standing around telling people to stand here, stand there, give me more tears. Yeah, laugh I think, or whatever. Um, well, I'm going to say this. There are a lot of directors who, um, especially people who maybe like do something else for a living and then they kind of come in and do it where it's like, I don't think they realize they don't know what they don't know. And so they have like a huge amount of help, right? Like from the crew, because mm-hmm. the crew really is the champion of, of everything. They do everything. Right. And even if you are not a good director, um, the crew will really prop you up. And so, um, so like when people come in and like, maybe it's an actor who's never directed, um, you know, and some of them are amazing, but some don't really know like everything that goes into it. So they lean really heavily on their AD team and their crew um, and so then once they like finish an episode, they realize like how hard it is, like how much mm. actually goes into it. Um, and for me, it's like, there's an insane amount of prep and things you have to think about. I mean, you have to think about, you have to think about every little thing really that goes into it and you're, you have time constraints and money constraints. So I, I know it seems glamorous, but I think what people don't realize is that like, there's a lot, there's a lot weighing on being a director. Um, there's a and, lot that goes you know, on before people see the premiere. Yeah. I mean, there really is. I mean, and yeah. it's a lot of, it's just a lot of pressure on one person's shoulders. And fortunately they have a lot of great people around them, but yeah, I just don't, I don't think people realize how much a director actually does. And tell me, what are you most proud of in your career? Um, I, I think I'm most proud of not giving up. Um, I probably could have and should have a million times over. Um, I definitely went through some really rough times, like where the industry was not great or, um, you know, I had things happen to me and I won't even get into them because some of them were awful, but I think everyone goes through it where it's like maybe somebody really does something terrible to you or producers really awful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are, there are people who backstab and do rough things um, to get ahead and are happy to step on you on the way up. Um, But for me, like I've always stayed true to who I am and just, I I refuse to be like one of those people. I'm going to stay who I am and I'm, I'm going to just keep going and I'm, I want to keep making more projects. I have some things coming up, so I'm excited. And I, I just, you know, 
for me, I think it's like, I'm proud of the things I've made all, mm-hmm. all of those, but I think I'm most proud of just being tenacious and not giving it up when it, when it was really like, yeah, it seemed like the best option was to give up, but I still kept going. So and we're all glad you did. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you reading right now? Oh my goodness. Um, I'm reading a cool book called The Bird Tribes. Um, it's like about um, Iroquois Indians and Native Americans because there's a project that I'm working on that has to do with like First Nations people mm-hmm. up in Canada. Um, and I started also, I like to read like multiple books. Um, okay. But uh, I just downloaded um, uh, the new Michael, well, the last Michael Connolly book. So I'm excited to read that because he's like my favorite writer. He's, he did all the Bosch and Lincoln Lawyer books and mm-hmm. he's just so good. Um, so th- those are the two I've got going right now. And um, yeah, I love to read like as much as I possibly can. Um, speaking of reading, how was it working with your brother writing infinite? It was super fun. Um, I love working with my brother, Doug. He's really a great writer and we work well together. We live in a duplex together. So he lives upstairs and with his family and I live downstairs with my daughter. And so, um, we're always close, you know, and we love to, I don't know. He's funny and fun and he has great ideas. So it's, it's been great. Um, it was a cool project because we wrote it as a script, um, together. It was a really fun idea. And then my brother's also a professional photographer. Mm -hmm. Um, and he shoots a lot for like different magazines and he, um, we literally did photo shoots with actors. Like we had a bunch of friends and actor friends, and sometimes we would cast some extras and, we, we shot photographs. Um, I mean, thousands of photographs. And then we had an artist, this really cool guy, Michael Metcalf, he turned them into a comic book. So he would take the images and then like kind of paint That's over so them cool. and make them into art. So it's, uh, it's like over 300 pages. It's like a very long graphic novel, but it's, um, it's, I'm very proud of it. It was really fun to do too so that's and it's just like so different from your day-to-day directing yes you know yes it's very different um but it's still storytelling which is really Mm -hmm. cool I mean I would love to make it into a movie um that's like the ultimate goal but uh right now the graphic novel took some time so that was a good start you'll get there you'll get there and my last question for you Natalie is uh what piece of music inspires you like one piece or what kind of genre? I guess that's for you to interpret. <laughs> um, I mean, I have to say I love almost all music. Um, so I can't really narrow it down. Like I, I love a lot of different artists and it, it kind of depends on the mood that I'm in. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, I can turn on like jazz in the mornings and just like let it like help me meditate in the mornings. And then like, you know, I listen to some Foo Fighters or Johnny Cash, like I'm all over the place <laughs> with what I love. But um, I think music is one of the most enjoyable parts of life. And mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, it, it for me, like, I always 
songs like remind me of different little moments in my life. And yeah, so like yeah. you hear a song and it brings you like to a memory, um, you know, of like, oh yeah, I remember Crazy in Love by Beyonce. I was at a wedding with Trinette and Anne and, you know, so those moments that are like super special. Um, so for me, I think I can't pick one genre. I just would say music is like really makes my soul happy. And um, when I made my first short film and I did the actual I had a friend, Steve Ridley did the score for it. We had a 40 piece orchestra mm-hmm. and uh, we were at Capitol records in like the Frank Sinatra studio. And I had been working all night, like on a CSI shoot. And I went in and like, I just sat and I listened to them do the score for the film. It was like a 20 minute, 25 minute movie. And I like, it was like tears were streaming down my face because like the, the music brings the whole thing to life right like music somehow it takes like this rough cut film and makes it beautiful so like it gives it a soul it gives it a soul right so you're like you know like john williams like like everybody loves that guy because every movie that he's ever scored like he he's the one who gives you the most feeling i think i mean the films are awesome but Mm -hmm. um for me i Mm -hmm. think music is is one of the most important parts of life and important in filmmaking as well. I would agree. I would agree. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for taking time um, and coming on my podcast and being indoors from from the rain. So I'm glad I gave you something to do. (laughs) Thank you. I can't go outside. I can't leave my house. It's fairly fairly dangerous out there. But thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Well, stay safe. And for all of you listening, thank you for listening to another episode of My Time, My Life. And until next time, take care. Bye. My Time, My Life with Trinette Faint is a Floor 51 production.